This is the Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. All right, welcome to the dugout. Uh, always excited to have this hour to talk Mariners on Tuesdays, 1 to 2. And I've got next to me Shannon Dreyer. And we are excited to get right into the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Uh, Scott, how you doing? I'm doing okay, guys. How are you today? Hey, we're doing all right. Uh, Skip, you know, last night was uh, definitely a, a disappointing loss, but you were right there at the very end. Uh, the last couple games, uh, you know, have been very, very close. What has it been like managing these close games and watch your team uh, fight all the way to the end? Well, we certainly play a lot of close games. <laughs> There's no question about that. I think it was, uh, I think I heard last night was our 23rd, I think, uh, one run game. So, uh, We're used to being in those spots, and you know we have history here of usually playing really well in those games. It's been a struggle of late, you know, and it kind of comes down to getting that big hit at the end of the game to get you over the hump. And uh, we've been right there here uh, in this homestand, and some of the games we've lost, we just haven't gotten that big hit. Uh, Feel good; it'll turn around tonight. That's what's going to take. As long as we keep getting the guys out there, keep creating the opportunities, it'll turn. And you know, our our guys know that. We just got to keep grinding through it. Scott, you've been there a couple of times this year, and what really kind of intrigued me was talking to you and talking to some other people about what you did when it was time to, okay, we've got to do something. And it seems like rather than you know kind of look at the players, you all looked at each other, what can we do to help these guys? And that went from you and your coaching staff all the way upstairs to some of the front office staff and the analyst. Um, why was this the approach that you take, and how does this work for your team? And just, okay, we are all here to support you guys and move you forward. Well, I think that's what all, I think that's what all good you know, organizations or, or companies do. You have to look, uh, look within first, and if you're in a leadership position, you're on a coaching staff or part of the front office, you know, what can we do uh, to put our players in a better position to, to have more success? And, you know, sometimes it's the mechanical changes. You're working on things in the batting cage or in the bullpen. Sometimes it's uh, just sitting down and talking with guys and, and sharing with them, hey, here's what's going on. Here's where we're trending. How do we reverse it? We're going to get going in the right direction again. And so you're, you're constantly communicating with guys and, and trying to get them in a better spot, whether it's mechanically or, or psychologically or whatnot. And you do that on an individual basis. You know, if we can get this guy a little bit better, a little 1%, 2% better, and this other guy, we get something tweaked here. And it has worked for a lot of our guys. But, you know, here the last few nights, it's been a struggle offensively, and, you know, we need to be more consistent there. We've got to put runs up. Uh, I think our pitching has, has been pretty good here. Our starting pitching over the last 10 or 11 starts has given us a chance to win. Uh, I like the way our bullpen is trending. Um, you know, we're doing a good job there. A number of guys stepping up and, and, and putting zeros up there for us, which is critical if you need to come back in games. And, and we've been able to do that. It's just offensively, the consistency that we're looking for, there just hasn't been there. And we're going to need it. We're going to need it to get this thing, you know, headed back in the right direction and you get close to the 500 mark. And that's what's going to take. Everybody has to chip in and do their job. I have enjoyed what we've seen from the bullpen. What do you know about Penn Murphy now that you didn't know at the beginning of the year? Uh, well, first of all, I knew he's a very interesting guy. You know, he's he's been around a little bit. He's a really smart dude, and, and he you know he plays the guitar. He he, he reads a lot. Uh, he's more than just a right-handed pitcher with a good slider. You know what I mean? So uh, he's a well-rounded guy. I like having him around. Um, he appreciates where he's at. I think is the best thing. You know, he was not a high-round draft choice by any means. 
Um, he had to pay his dues in the minor leagues, and he, he realizes you know how fortunate he is, and he wants to take advantage of it. Uh, he doesn't take any day for granted. Uh, I just got in the clubhouse earlier today, and he's usually the first guy here every day. Uh, he, he likes being around baseball and his teammates, and he's, he's done a great job for us. In the different situations we put him in, he's handled it. Uh, he throws a ton of strikes. He's not going to blow you away with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, but he's got a ton of deception. The hitters do not pick him up. You know, he's been able to ride the fastball uphill a little bit, get the ball up on guys, and then he can throw that slider for a strike pretty much whenever he has to or needs to. So um, he's done a great job for us, and you're going to continue to see a lot of them. Uh, Skip, you talk about working through some of the issues that guys may have or making little tweaks to get positive results, and it was great to see Robbie Ray have the night that he did uh, on Sunday, you know, giving you seven innings, no runs, uh, surrendered. Uh, well, how good was it to see that performance from Robbie Ray? And where the heck did this two-seam fastball come from? Well, Robbie's been around a little bit. He's pitched a lot. And uh, I think these are all things that maybe he tried in his earlier days. And then he got to the point where he said, you know what, I'm just going to simplify this and really trust my ability. And he did. He, he was leaning heavily on a on a really good four-seam fastball and an outstanding slider. And you know, over time, you get locked into just doing it a certain way, and certainly the opponent knows that. They know the, how you're going to attack them. And in Robbie's case, he was really only using one half of the plate, you know, the inner half to right-handed hitters. And if when they know where to look, and if you're not executing just perfectly or if you get behind in counts, it just makes it so much easier, you know, for the hitters to, to get on you. So, you know, he, he made some adjustments. Uh, credit to Robbie is that he didn't just talk about doing it. He went out and worked on it. He got had a couple different bullpen sessions before his last outing, knowing that he wanted to mix in a few two-seamers. Okay, how do I command this? You can throw all the pitches you want. If you don't throw them for strikes, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, but he was he was able to use that, that outer part of the plate to right-handed hitters, which then made the stuff on the inside part of the plate, which is kind of his go-to, much more accessible and getting the results he's looking at when he's when he does go in there so he really had him back and forth inside outside you know he does pitch very well at the top of the zone but I was excited to see the number of ground balls he got I think it was 10 or 11 ground balls in that outing the other day which is not typical of Robbie Ray and a lot of those ground balls came early in counts so it kept his pitch count in check that's why he was able to get through seven innings and and give us a a great outing Uh, hopefully he can build upon that he's a good dude he works his butt off and he's had a lot of success and you know, in the past, he just wants to get it turned around, and hopefully it's a, it's a start for him, and he can ride that one forward. We saw the ground balls. We also saw, I think it was his first double play ball, like, since late April. I mean, how important <laughs> is this? Is he now a three-pitch pitcher? Is this now part of what he is going to do? Uh, I think you're going to see, yeah. You're, you're going to see it mixed in. Um, he threw probably more two-seam fastballs than I expected him to throw the other day, but it was working. And if it's working, why, why not just stick with it? And, and that's what he did. So, You'll see him work that into his repertoire, and it'll certainly give teams more to think about as they prepare uh, when they face him. You know, hey, this guy does throw this pitch, or he's working on this other pitch. It's something that we talk about all the time in preparation for the opposing starter. So it gives him something else to think about. As long as he's executing it, why not stick with it? You know, Skip, not to look ahead or look past the series that you have right now with Minnesota, because it's a very important one, but... How bizarre is it that you haven't played the Angels yet, and yet you'll be coming up on a five-game series over the course of the weekend here at T-Mobile Park? That's pretty unique, uh, for sure. It's, it's obviously a result of the lockout and starting the season a week later. I think we were supposed to play the Angels uh, in that original opening homestand. Um, so that got moved back, and now it's turned into some doubleheaders and whatnot. So uh, 
a lot changes over a couple months, and, and certainly you know things have changed for their ball club as well. They still got a very talented team. Uh, they can do some things offensively, and, and uh, we'll have our hands full there. But uh, I will refer back to what you said. I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. We are focused on the Minnesota <laughs> Twins right now. But yeah, it'll be it'll be five big games this weekend, and uh, hopefully the, you know our fans will come out and support us. Uh, last weekend was great against the Red Sox. We had great crowds. You could really feel the electricity in the ballpark. I think it really helped our guys. Usually doubleheaders just happen. There's been a weather delay or something like that, and you have to play two. But this one we've known about for a long time. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do two pre- and post-game shows. What are the things that you have to worry about as a manager with two games, 18 innings, let's hope that's all, in um, on Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's it's really great if you win the first game. I do know that. <laughs> it's a much better vibe. It's a much better vibe in the clubhouse. I've been a part of split doubleheaders before as a player, and it's a long day. There's no doubt about it. You just have to, you know, walking into the building that day, it is going to be a long day. You've got to grind through it. And I think the teams who, who do best on their, those days are the teams that are mentally strong. And typically each team has, you know, three or four guys that, you know, are a little bit grittier, have that grind in them. And those are the guys that teammates are looking to. So, you know, we got to show up ready to play all day. You're going to play all 18. Uh, we need good efforts from our starting pitching so we don't burn through a ton of bullpen in the early in those games. Otherwise, it does get a little bit crazy. But, you know, it's on the schedule. All teams are having to play doubleheaders this year. That was part of the, uh, you know, the agreement when the season started later. And uh, you've seen some teams that have already played a bunch, and, and we're going to couple on our schedule. We'll get through it. We'll be fine. But understanding when you walk in the door that day, you got to bring it all day and night. Well, Skip, we appreciate the time that you have given to us, and we always look forward to our Tuesdays together. And we're going to let you go. Get ready for that big game tonight, and uh, best of luck. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right. That was the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Uh, This hour is brought to you by Mazda of Everett. Shannon, is there anything that stood out to you about what Scott Service had to say? Yeah, I mean, just reinforcing what they're doing right now. And it's, they are, I know it's frustrating to look out there and see, oh, another one run loss, and they're just not able to push that run across. You're seeing tons of base runners out there. They lead baseball in runners left on base right now. Now, how do you get them in? And it is a constant, how do we do this? It is not like they are just showing up at noon and saying, okay, hit the ball better, guys. There is, it's an effort. <laughs> I thought that approach worked really well. Oh, well, they tried that the first week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, it, it's it's everything from you know the analyst upstairs to you know every trainer that you've got in there to every specialist that you've got, and uh, I think that one of the really interesting things with this group, and we saw it when it was younger players, and now we're seeing it with players that aren't necessarily that much older, but a little bit more experienced of a team. They are still keeping the pressure off that team, and it, it's more kind of about nurturing it than than trying mm-hmm. to beat it out of them. You got to get this right now. And a lot of work goes into that, and a lot of time goes into that. And I, I think it's um, at times sometimes I look at it and it's a little bit tough to see that you know maybe you want somebody to go kick somebody in the butt or something like that to yeah. get it going, but that's not how this group of players. And I don't just mean the Mariners. I talk you know about kind of this era of players. They're brought up differently. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily how they respond. So it's kind of more of a, a holistic view to how you get this thing going. And uh, they're close. And it, it's you see the runners on base, that's it. And then when you look at what they're missing right now, so it's, yeah. it's, it's no wonder you're going to get to a certain part of the lineup 
where these aren't guys that you were relying on to be in there every day. And it is going to be a little bit harder to get those runs in. So, um, you know, to me, it's interesting that that is very much still the focus and how they handle that. Well, and I believe that everybody was hoping that they would move on beyond having to win so many, clo- you know, close games, one run games, or be in those positions with the change from 2021 to 2022 because. As, as you have talked about, as many have talked about, that it is really hard to win baseball on a consistent basis if you're relying on winning those one-run games and you know coming up with clutch performance after clutch performance, which it seemed the Mariners just had a knack for in 2021. You know, how, it, it's, how do you, as you just mentioned, it's really challenging, but how do you overcome that? Is it just hang on tight while, while this team is trying to get healthy? Yeah, I think it's partly that. I think that if you had one more legitimate bat right now, I'm not even talking a superstar. I'm yeah. talking, you know, I, I think that would help greatly. Somebody getting in hot this situation and be that from the outside or somebody getting hot along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, in addition to because you do have the peaks and the valleys. You know, France does have cold spells sometimes. J.P. Crawford <laughs> has had cold spell. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm talking about you know somebody that has not been in that core group that has been getting it done on a consistent basis. I, I think that helps greatly because. I do think that you can learn to win those games. I think there are teams that are built more to win those games. Those mm-hmm. are the teams with the better pitching. We are starting to see the bullpen come around, and I think that is somewhere where you're going to be able to make a pretty easy addition at some point. Um, so I, I think that it, it can, you know, it can come from within right now. But we are yeah. getting closer to where you can go get that help. Well, to your point, what a lot of people don't really realize or or mention is the fact you you talk about in-house guys getting on hot streaks or providing some boost it didn't happen you know there wasn't one guy that just had a run throughout the rest of the season but everybody focuses on Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Seeger, J.P. Crawford right Um, Ty France those guys the how the year that they had but there was also Jake Fraley at one time had a really nice string of games or a couple weeks where he played well there was Luis Torrens who contributed, uh, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Kelnick at the end of the year. There were other guys that just seemed to have these performances or a couple weeks where they also chipped in and helped. It doesn't seem that they're getting that uh, from from you know guys that they need to to kind of help supplement some of these cool spells that you will have from your top players. I think you're starting to see it with Cal Raleigh right now, and, and I think that is big. Um, but you do. There are some names that we haven't seen that from Terenz this year. You're not seeing him play very much right mm-hmm. now. And uh, he can be a very useful second catcher bench player, but he's got to get that bat going, and he's got to get, I think they're looking for a, a little bit more. He's not hitting for extra base hits. He is far from the only person who's not where they want him to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I think that if you are able to add just that one significant player, I, I think that changes things drastically. I'm also kind of getting curious, are we getting close to a lineup change right now? Yeah, I, I am as well, Shannon, because I think you have to. And it's not just Jesse Winker and, and his performance or his inconsistencies that you're having to work through and try to fight through, but also, I mean, to me, as I watch this lineup, I think J.P. Crawford, who played that that role last year, did a great job. He was a fire starter. He brought the energy. And that's really when you saw him take off last year is when he got into that role as, as your leadoff guy. And there's got to be a little bit of a shakeup, I have to imagine. And they gave that a really long try. I mean, what has it been? A couple weeks now since Jesse Winker? Yeah. So I, I think that they've given it 
a, a fair shot, and unfortunately, Winker hasn't risen to the occasion, or you haven't seen the payoff. He's walking, but we're not seeing the hits. The yeah. on-base percentage has been there, and maybe in the old days, of that's when you're at, that's the only thing you're looking for in that leadoff spot that would play, but I think right now you need to have your best hitters at the top of the line, and you need to start trying to string them together right now, and J.P. Crawford absolutely has that experience. We were talking a little bit on the post-game show last night about the possibility of Julio doing it at some point, but now is probably not the time to do that, but you know, I know I want Ty France and Julio Rodriguez in the first three. I want to you know, guarantee that they are going to, you're going to see them in the first inning, and hopefully get an extra at bat right now. I think Crawford moving him back to the top wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. Absolutely. Alright, let's get to MLB headlines. Alright, I love, I love this music. All right, a couple days after being DFA, Drew Steckenrider has cleared waivers and was outrighted to AAA Tacoma. Shannon, does this surprise you? Uh, no, it, it did. We were kind of scratching our head at the move for a while, and then it occurred to me he's got a pretty big paycheck, and so I think he was a safe bet to DFA, and he would be able to stay in the organization. So uh, chalk that up to the Mariners making a move that they thought they could make and getting away with it. Yeah, it, well, it's also just one of those things where Drew Steckenrider led the team in saves last year. So you know that bullpens are fickle and things can change, but it is crazy to see that stark contrast from year to year with somebody like uh, Drew Steckenrider, who was phenomenal last year. Well, and I'm holding out hope that because he's done it before, he can perhaps get there quicker than some of their other options, be it from the outside or be it you know Ken Giles being up and running. The Braves have won tra- 12 straight, but they placed sec- uh, they placed star second baseman Ozzie Albies on the 60-day IL with a foot fracture. Shannon, how, how big of a loss is that for, for the Braves? Oh, it's a killer for them. He's a, a team leader as well as being an all-star. He hasn't he kind of started out slow, but you know that that production was going to be there, so that hurts them. Well, they have they have a history of overcoming losing superstars like Ronald Don't Acuna say. last year <laughs> yeah, in a big way, but obviously this is, a, this is a big loss for them. After being, how about this? After being released from the Padres, Robinson Cano re-signed with them on a minor league deal and it is playing for triple a el paso did you see this one coming on spongebob squarepants night that was his first game so he wore the most ridiculous cartoonish (laughs) uniform in the history of of, it was like it was it was minor league baseball bad oh okay man um yeah i am surprised but uh you know robinson he's always insisted that he loves the game and apparently he thinks there's more there and that's quite the step to take yeah it is quite the step to take and you always wonder with some of these players right and especially someone like robinson cano who i think a lot of his smooth play was mistaken for not caring in a lot of ways but uh clearly as you just mentioned, he loves the game of baseball. I mean, th- to what we know, this is not a financial thing where he's needing to still play because he needs I money. Think he's doing I, okay. I think he's all right, yeah. right? Uh, unlike you know, guys like Adrian Peterson and things of that nature. When you learn a little bit more about the financial situation, Robinson Cano showing and displaying even at you know his later stage of his career that he wants to play no matter what. And I think he'll still be very comfortable in AAA. Yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be all right. He's probably uh, paying for every team meal. That's kind better, of the, oh, that's I'm the sure rule. I'm sure he is. I am sure he is. He's probably I think everybody's going to be very comfortable. He's probably AAA. put a new flat screen TV, maybe a pool table in the locker room. I mean, that's what you do when you're a veteran on uh, in the minor leagues. Yeah, well, you got 
hundreds of millions of dollars attached to your name. Oh, uh, I mean that too. <laughs> the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal reports the Angels and Shohei Otani had informal talks in the spring of a record-setting extension by average annual value. If you're a Mariners fan and you're hoping that Shohei Otani is uh, not loving his experience in L.A., well, think again. Uh, Shannon, do you anticipate that Shohei Otani and the Angels will come to an agreement eventually? I think it's likely, but I don't think it's unheard of that it wouldn't happen. And I'm glad that that deal did not get done at the end of April when the Angels were doing well. So, you know, ultimately he came there because... A, he liked the area, wanted to play with Mike Trout, but he also wants to win. I mean, he probably is looking across the clubhouse, and if Mike Trout can't get a World Series ring, he doesn't want to be the second generation of that in Anaheim. So I think there has, I think he has a want, there's been a, not just show time, but show me. I think he wants Mm. to see it, and so far the Angels are not off to a, a good start with that this year. No, they are not. So, I mean... I agree that, yeah, maybe they had those initial conversations, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get done. And certainly how things are going at the current moment, if they continue, I don't think that's going to, you know, boast well for the uh, for the Angels here. Uh, and Otani, it would be great to be able to either get him here in Seattle, but most likely get him out of the division. You know what? It wouldn't be a bad idea to have big crowds and a lot of fun at T-Mobile Park this weekend. And this would be a good week for the Mariners <laughs> to look pretty good, play pretty good. I know Ty France will talk him up at uh-huh. first base and, and tell him this is a great place. Yes. This, is, uh, this <laughs> That is a great, great point. They might be, you know, there might be an extra eye on them this weekend. Come on, Mariners fans. <laughs> let's step up. Let's step up like you guys have been. You guys were awesome, by the way, uh, this weekend against the Red Sox. Shannon, you were there. What was that environment like, just seeing all the fans show up? I mean, you know, almost, uh, you know, you had 30, almost 38,000 on Saturday and then 42,000 on, on Sunday. It was fantastic. And my dad, he's back on the East Coast, and he was watching the Nesson feed of it. And he said they couldn't stop raving about it. And one of the commentators kept saying it was the loudest place they've been all year long, which is absolutely fantastic. Wow. So, Seattle is a favorite destination for other teams to go play. Not so much we're seeing to sign with as, as free agency if you have to <laughs> if do only that travel that all the time, but everybody is going to have travel next year. So, mm. you know, we'll see about that. But, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I'm hoping we see the same this weekend. Now, Shannon, real quick, fun storyline. Golden Tate, receiver Golden Tate, uh, will start in center field tonight for the Port Angeles lefties of the West Coast League. I mean, pretty cool story. Is this a one-off, or is he like? Is he decided? I, I think that to, he's. Gonna, I think he's on the roster. Yeah, he's on the forward. roster. Gonna gonna play. Well, somebody's got to go cover that, don't they? <laughs> I, I would have to imagine, right? I mean, we need we need a Golden Tate tracker to see how he's doing in the West Coast League. But pretty cool, pretty That's cool addition. That is outstanding. All right, you're listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we are not done with the dugout by any stretch. We will have Mariners broadcaster Gary Hill next on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout, every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right, you are in for The Dugout, and right now we are welcoming Mariners broadcaster Gary Hill on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Gary, how you doing? 
Oh, we're working Gary in here. We'll get him in in just a second. Uh, of course, of course, we're waiting on Gary, well, right? fine. Gary's late. We're finding Gary. It's that or Curtis, one or the other. <laughs> one or the other. Uh, it's you, definitely not Brady. Shannon, this is this is a, a big couple days here, you know, as they face the Minnesota Twins, who is one of the hotter teams in baseball, certainly one of the hotter teams in the AL. Uh, their lineup just seems to be working very, very well together right now. The Twins? Yeah, the Twins. Yeah, that's one of the better offenses in the league right now. And if you look at what they, they brought in, and, and you remember Carlos Correa is on this team, and he was the big get in the offseason. He's yeah. third on the team in war and WRC Plus right now. So you've got Buxton, you've got a rise. That's a tough top of the order in particular there. Yeah, it is. And we're welcoming in right now Mariners broadcaster Gary Hill on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Gary, how you doing? I'm great. How are both of you? Hey, yeah, we're, it's been forever. Yeah, it, it has been forever. We missed you like crazy, Gary. As always, it seems like it was just yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Gary, uh, what was your what was your feeling of this last game? Uh, close one. Had a chance to win. You're at the bottom of the ninth. You got Jesse Winker up. Uh, runners in scoring position, and gosh, you just failed to to capitalize on the opportunity. What what was it like watching it up close? Yeah, you were really hoping he'd come through and Mariners would grab one late. But that, that's kind of been the theme with these close losses, right, is we've seen uh, a number of close games. The Mariners have been in just about every game, but uh, just trying to find a way to get over the top, right? That's And actually, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I drove away from the park listening to Shannon's postgame show, of course, which is what everyone should do when they leave the ballpark. And I was thinking about, kind of this stretch and it's it's really been interesting to look at the Mariners offense in terms of the things they do well compared to the amount of runs they're scoring a lot of it doesn't make sense so I was trying to think it through after a game last night because we saw some of the same things play out that we've seen before where they're doing a lot of things well but not scoring runs so as I was trying to dig deep into what exactly is going on right here? And I haven't had a chance to talk this out with anyone yet. Do we have a couple minutes? Can here we go. Let's now? go. Let's do this. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks for be- Thank you for this. I appreciate it. So <laughs> It's what we're here for, Gary. Yeah, I know. I, you're my therapy, which I really appreciate. I mean, it's this is what happens in the booth, too. So this is just on the radio this time. Uh, so you look at their offense, and you know, in terms of WRC+, plus, they're seventh in baseball, which is a really good thing. They get on base a ton. They're in the top ten, which is really good. Their strikeout rate is really good. They have a really great foundation to build an offense on, right? So I was thinking about they get on base. They don't strike out a lot. What is going on? So I think if I asked that question to most people, they would say, well, it's you're not getting the hit with runners in scoring position. And that's the funny part, too, is they're actually in the top 10 in batting average with runners in scoring position. They're sixth in on-base percentage, and they're getting plenty of opportunities. They're 11th in plate appearances with runners in scoring position, which to me is the best number of all because I want as many opportunities as possible, right? So they're getting the opportunities. So – I was looking at on-base percentage and slugging percentage because if you look at team stats and how it correlates to run scores, uh, runs scored, it's on-base percentage, it's slugging percentage, and OPS. And OPS is the combo of those two. So if we look at on-base percentage, and it's really interesting because the Mets are number one in baseball and on-base, they're number one in runs scored. 
The Dodgers, number two in on-base percentage, number two in runs scored. The Yankees, number three in both, So and so on. So there's only two teams in the top ten in on-base percentage that are also not in the top ten in runs scored. The Nationals and, unfortunately, the Mariners, right? So they're getting on-base, they're not scoring the runs. And that's when I turn to slugging. And Mariners right now are 19th in slugging percentage. And you can turn back to runners in scoring position, and while the average is there, the slugging is down to 14. When I look at what's going on, I think the Mariners need more slugging. 13th in home runs, they're 24th in doubles. So not necessarily homers, but a double here and there would make a big difference. They're getting guys on base. Put one in a gap. I mean, you score two at a time, right, if you got a couple guys on. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it. You're Miss Hanniger's played nine games. Kyle Lewis has played four games. Jesse Winker, who was slugging, you know, 550 last year, is at 300 this year. So that that's kind of where I fall when I look at a game like last night and what we've seen as of late. Mix in a few more doubles and homers, which is easier said than done, but that's that's kind of what I think is going on right now. Gary, they're that walking a ton. I think they lead the league in walks as well. Yeah, yeah. So my next question I, is, is what is their contact rate in the zone? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know it offhand. I can look oh, it up. Gary. But I know, I'm sorry. I, I Come on, Gary. <laughs> I don't think they're going uh, up to the plate to walk, but I suspect that they're, because I know some individual contact numbers in the zone aren't great. But I'm just, I, I'm wondering if that has something to do with it, that, you know, you, you're not getting your pitch, therefore you're not getting your big hits right now. Yeah, I think that's a valid. Uh, I th- I think that's totally valid. I think that's so. If you look at contact rate inside the zone, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Mariners are actually fourth. Oh darn it! <laughs> this team. This team. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But home actually, runs. we it need d- more home runs. It, it does, though, Gary. It honestly does. Because how many of these guys in this lineup? when you talk about slugging, are sluggers. How many of these guys, you you look at Julio Rodriguez, and you know he has the potential, but he's still growing into it. He's still growing into it. Ty France is an amazing hitter that slugging is not necessarily like the hallmark staple of his game. You only have one true slugger, in my opinion, and that's Eugenio Suarez, and he's a very streaky guy. You know, he got a lot of strikeouts. You don't have a consistent slugger in this lineup right now, and you, you feel the major, major side effects of that. Oh, we lose a Gary He's here. looking for a slugger. No, it, I'm back. I'm okay, back. there we go. <laughs> uh, it, uh, no, I, I, I got much of your point there, and I think you're right, because when you were looking at this team on paper coming into the season, you knew you wouldn't get a ton of slug from your middle infield. And I think you've got more from France than you were expecting. And I think you are very happy with the slug you're getting from Suarez. So the infield is kind of taking care of itself. You're hoping what you've seen from Cal Raleigh the last couple of weeks can carry on in some form uh, moving forward because he's been excellent. And he he's really slugged recently. So I think you kind of turned it. For me, it's two spots because Julio has been excellent. I don't think you can ask any more from Julio. Like, I totally I agree. Get, I think he'll get better. But I think asking a rookie and a 21-year-old to be even better, I think, is is a tough (laughs) ask, right? Because he's been great. Uh, And I think that Trammell and Moore have been effective 
as a platoon in right field lately. So I think you want Winker to slug more, right? I think you'd want more production there, and I think you want more production from DH. And it's tough to put it on a couple of guys, but that's that's how I kind of look at the situation right now because Hanniger is a slug guy, and you're missing him. And Lewis is a slug guy, and you haven't had him. And that's the unfortunate part of those injuries in particular because uh, I think about Hanniger a lot. I mean, I think that that bat really hurts not being in a lineup, and they're still trying to figure out a way – to make up for it. It's hard because they, they, I mean, he's the middle of the order guy. He was a slug guy. And I think he really would have gone a long way to helping in the current situation. I don't think they'd be 24th and run score with his bat in the lineup, which is a captain obvious statement, but uh, the way it looks, that's, that's kind of how I see it. Uh, you are talking to Mariners broadcaster Gary Hill on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Great stuff, Gary. Uh, lots to chew on there. Uh, and uh, we appreciate having this therapy session with you. So thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Thanks for letting me blab for a while and run run my ideas through you. I was I was lying on the couch. And you're a great therapist. I really appreciate it. Well, thank y- you. your bill will be coming in the mail very shortly, so just be ready for that. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gary. All right. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Next, we are wrapping up the dugout. It's going to be me and Shannon. We'll bring in Curtis. We'll talk some Mariners and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, Don't go anywhere because Gary Hill gave us a lot to talk about next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right, you're listening to The Dugout. Uh, we are wrapping things up here with Shannon Dram, Jay Keeps, filling in for Stacey Ross, who is out on vacation. She'll be back tomorrow. Uh, so, Shannon, you know, we had that conversation with Gary Hill, and, and really it kind of turned into a therapy session. We just, hey, Gary, take it away, and, and went on this huge tangent about where the Mariners are at and ultimately coming and landing on the spot of slugging is a major issue for this team. You look at all of the statistical numbers for this team – and they're all really positive offensively. I mean, it would shock you in nearly every category how well they're doing and the numbers that you would expect them to have, which would correlate into a successful offensive season and output. But the one thing that remains clear is that slugging is really the the big issue for this team that is holding them back. Yeah, and it's funny because everybody just got a treat. That's exactly that. You just listened into two hours before a broadcast or, you know, an <laughs> inning break or even a, a bullpen, go to the bullpen type break. Those are the conversations that we are constantly having. And we always have the laptops out. And Well, what about this? And it, it's been a conundrum because we have looked at it and we're like, how are they? They're seventh in WRC plus right now. A couple about a week ago, they were fifth. And so you see that they are up there with all of the offensive numbers, but they're not getting that production. The slugging, absolutely. I do also think that they could do better in their situational hitting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, you know, sometimes it just seems like move the runner along. Are you trying to do too much? I, I do think that comes into it sometimes. I don't think they are pressing too terribly, but um, just far too many opportunities. I don't think it's just one thing at that point. But yeah, a little bit more thump would certainly help this lineup. And there's some guys that I think are a little bit capable of it. Uh, you, you said that Julio, you don't see him as a slugger right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a hitter that can slug and that slugs quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I'm very curious to see how he comes back after his day off. He was on a little <laughs> bit of a lull 
And, yeah. and that could be the 55 games that he had just played. I know he's young, but that's a lot of baseball and a lot of travel. So I'm I'm interested to see how that goes, and I'm interested to see what that looks like this weekend, if there are the big crowds. He certainly has a flair for the dramatic and feeds off of that as well. So, you know, there I, I think there's a little bit more help there. Um, Ty France for a little while was on a kind of a long streak where he was just hitting singles. He's, uh, you know, then a little bit of late, um, had a little bit of a struggle. His struggles are never very young. So I think you're going to start seeing a little bit more from him. Yeah. And, and that's nothing. I'm, you know, that's baseball. He is actually, you know, he's ahead of where he was last year. He's putting up his best numbers. So this is, you know, just asking for, pra- you know, right. perhaps a little I- bit. Could you be a little more perfect, Ty? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a little bit. You're, you're hitting 329. What's wrong with you? Come exactly. on. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> um, and if Cal Raleigh is able to continue with what he's doing and build upon that, there will be a little bit more there, too. He is so fun to watch at the plate. If he gets into one, if he, it just, that ball can go. Yes. It is amazing to kind of watch Cal Raleigh's raw power. And I think that's kind of what you watch for him for so long is really trying to find his approach at the plate and now you feel like okay this guy's a big league hitter and he's got a chance to really square one up at any given time as we watched you know him do that over the last couple weeks i mean it would be a great development if he was able to be that guy on a more consistent basis that would certainly help the slugging numbers as we were talking about um and shannon one of the things that i i think you know scott service said is uh, on, on the top of this hour on the scott service show he mentioned that some of the elements of this team are turning, that he does feel much more positive about the pitching and the bullpen. It just seemed, it's just frustrating to see this team not be able to click on all cylinders, uh, you know, at the, at any point this season, uh, thus far, maybe except for their first homestand that they first had where they were just they on a tear. the last homestand when they were yeah. winning the four game, four series in a row. I, I think it was, we were seeing some clicking. We were also seeing some pretty error free baseball. That is something that quietly, they have cleaned up in the mm. first month. Uh, this looks like a point. dreadful defensive team. Uh, they're amongst. They might. I think they're second right now in defensive runs saved, and that is a wow. huge step up from where they were. The infield was on a ridiculous streak. They had fourteen or fifteen games without an error. So I, I think that that is a step that they have taken forward that you just don't see. And then you're seeing smart plays out there too that will benefit them as they move on. Yeah, and as they're looking for that slugging, as they're looking for guys to step up, certainly what will help them is pitching help keep this all these games close i mean right. last night for example you know a very good minnesota twins lineup you hold them to three runs i mean that's that's as good as you can ask for in my opinion absolutely uh and if you do that you're giving this your your team the best chance to win yeah, you can't expect your starters to go out there and put up nothing but zeros. And that was a little bit of a struggle for Chris Flexen last night, yet he still managed to get five innings and somehow get 15 swing and misses. That's something that we should have gone into with Gary as well. But yeah. that's, you know, that's what you, you know, I will take that happily. And you can't ask your bullpen to put up zeros for three, four innings every single night. And unfortunately, a run was given up from the bullpen. You've got to be able to score some early and score some late. And they were on a nice streak of scoring early in particular. Yeah, we are looking at right now like four out of five games mm-hmm. after a very nice stretch. <laughs> so this might be the time where we're like, okay, breathe a little bit, you know. Yeah. They're not that separated from where they were playing overall very decent baseball. And winning baseball, and again, winning four out of or winning four straight series. So, you know, that could turn. That could turn tonight. And you know, some of the positives that you're seeing, Robbie Ray, is this real? What we are seeing, 
And I do like the numbers. I like the ability of him to get the ground ball, which is something that he didn't have before and he seems committed to. Yeah, I think I am going to throw this pitch a little bit more. That yeah. might put him on the right track. That's going to help there. And the bullpen definitely looks different than it did a month ago. Well, it certainly will. And tonight they have a great chance to hopefully get a win in this series because we've got the the Jake and Stacy show ace Logan Gilbert. Uh, we proclaimed him the You're ace. You're claiming Logan Gilbert? Yeah, yeah we, we, we already fair. proclaimed him, Shannon. You can't undo it. You can't undo it. Uh, <laughs> and so when you got Logan Gilbert hitting the mound, you got to take advantage of that opportunity right there. Uh, this has been the dugout. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, don't go anywhere because Wyman and Bob are coming up next. And after that, you are going to get the Mariners and Shannon on the pre and post game show. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we got a lot of conversation, a lot of great baseball coming your way next.